You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hi, this is Benny Goodman. You're listening to 2020. I've tried letting Siobhan and Corey do this, but they don't even want to fucking tell you what show you're listening to. So this is me again. Hi, I'm taking over your eardrums. I'm here with Corey Peza. See, he doesn't yes. even talk when you even give him a chance. <laughs> fucking step up. I'm here with Siobhan Cronin. What happened to the limiter on your mic? Yeah, I know. You're, <laughs> you're just screaming my at fucking ears out. Okay. This, is not, this doesn't feel like a I'm dialogue. like Rusty Cooley. Like, my voice is like Rusty Cooley on guitar. It's like all... Because people accuse that guy of having no dynamics or having no, like, tone. And, like, he does only... But he, he says it. He does one thing. And he does that thing the best. It's the Rusty Cooley thing. And you want to know what? He pulls out the rumble mitts, the 101 proof. And I yes, got to tell- he, he was drinking with us. I like that. That's what I yeah. like him, I guess. Well, I like the fact that I felt like I was behind my high school again. You know what I mean? And I was daring myself with, like, look at the proof, but it also tastes like fucking peppermint, so it's fine. I feel like this was also one of those late night episodes, wasn't it? Oh, Didn't yeah. we do yeah. this? This okay. was the second hour. We had been talking to him. We were all, you know, having a Does good Rusty time. Does Rusty get up before one o'clock in the morning? Like, literally. <laughs> Who knows? I but, don't even but know. But we get to hear a little bit about his uh, his backstory, his career. Uh, he's got some really interesting stories about being on the road and, and all sorts of... And he's, uh, like, wait, he's on Chapter 2, which you can get fucking now at LostSymphony.com. Can we mention he's yes. on the Garden of Earthly Delights with our buddy David Abraziz, who deserves to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. We'll get to that later. But he's on the track, the Garden of Earthly Delights. And if there's any song where we get um, a little bit out there as far as like letting the, the, the kite fly as high as it will go it's with rusty cooley yeah so check out the garden of earthly lights and check out rusty cooley part two right now part two <coughs> all right then <coughs> all right ladies and gentlemen Ready to dive Welcome. In. <laughs> <coughs> <coughs> oh my god. Out, still coughing from his last <coughs> bong hit. Benny from the last fucking good. <laughs> Welcome to 2020. I'm here with my compatriots because Rusty Cooley only comes out at night and we're a little bit more in the bag than normal. So, um <coughs> I'm going to introduce them based on our alcoholic problems or whatever problems we may have. I'm Benny Goodman. Smoke a lot of weed. I fucking have, I make coffee nervous. This is Corey Peza. He's, um, he drinks, he drinks whiskey a lot because he, he knows he's a bass player, even though he's a guitar player, but people call him a bass player. So he drinks whiskey. That's so what are my Sh- problems? Siobhan, Let's hear it. <laughs> Siobhan, um, is such a virtuoso because she's neurotic. And there's a very thin line between neurosis and, and psychosis. Mental illness. <laughs> and, perfection, and perfectionism. So all the time, it's like the Stephen Wright line. Like, you know, I was always told that practice makes perfect, but then in school I was told that nobody was perfect, so I stopped practicing. You know what I mean? So basically, uh, Siobhan, I would say that uh, you drink because <laughs> you gotta deal with life. You're a girl. You're Fair a woman. Yeah, okay. you, well, you know what? You're a gr- girl, but not, not yet a woman. So that's why you drink. Okay. You know what I mean? You're a girl, not yet a woman. And then okay. a man, a man's man that plays guitar like nobody's business, rides motocross, and drinks nothing but 100 plus proof anything. 
Yeah. Even his water is 100% fucking water. <laughs> right. I promise you. 100%. His, his, 110%. Yeah. yeah, 100% de agave, 100% metal. But not actually 100% metal. But he's, he's a blend. He's like he's like a metal fusion the classical. Metal yeah, jazz blend. <laughs> Rusty fucking Cooley. Hey. Part Great. two. Part of two. Rusty Cooley. The continuation. If you haven't seen part one, go back and rewind it. And get so you can be bored about violence. Get the fuck on it. Yeah, get the fuck yeah, on it. Yeah, and get on it. Fuck you guys. <laughs> 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 so the end of, uh, hey, cheers, man. The last episode, we, we were kind of getting into this uh, this realm. You're saying that there's other sides of Rusty Cooley's playing that people might not know about. Mm-hmm. What are those sides? Well, I mean, and, now, just, and now for Wonderwall. It's like, <laughs> it's, it's like, you know, people think that, well, Rusty Cooley's just a shredder. You know what I mean? It's like. How do you feel about that term shredder? Um, I, it doesn't. You know, when I was growing up, shredder was just a setting on the blender. You know I mean? <laughs> that's that was it that's the only kind of shredding that was going on when I was 2020 kid. shredders just a sh- a <laughs> on the blender. that's blender. a great one yeah but uh you know i mean it's it, it it in many ways it's used to in a derogatory way um but to me it just means somebody that's got good technique you know what i mean okay cool just because you have good technique doesn't mean you can write a cool song true. also where, true that's where it becomes redundant you know because a lot of people will just play for the sake of technique and not musicality. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, if you, and you got to think about this because people will, you know, there's just trolls like you wouldn't believe on the internet. I'm sure you guys all know about it. Oh, Don't for sure. Um, yeah, right. But I mean, anybody that says that this person doesn't play with feeling or I don't play with feeling, I know exactly what they mean by that. You know, you know, it's like and by feeling, they mean one feeling. Okay. Because you never heard anybody say, man, B.B. King doesn't play with feeling. You know, Stevie Ray Vaughan doesn't play with feeling, you know, um, because they're playing that one feeling that they're all identifying with. Those mm-hmm. are identifying with. Well, to me, there's many feelings. There's, you know, anxiety. There's, you know, fear. There's, you know, madness, anger, rage, you know. And, and yeah. you know, the, the feeling that I have usually when I'm playing guitar is like beating somebody over the head with my guitar. You, you know, know what? That's that's a great point. That's something you hear a lot about a lot of very fast players is they just that they are expecting you to to make that that note sing. And you're like, well, I've already hit 12 notes. Like, I, I'm mad at this guitar yeah. at this point. See, and the thing that I, and I realized very quickly when I hear somebody say a statement about feeling that they haven't actually even listened to my music. Because mm-hmm. if you listen to any of the things that I've done over 40 albums, you know what I mean? Um, there's plenty, only 40. Yeah. <laughs> There's plenty of feeling in there. You know what I mean? I mean, I don't play fast all the time. It's like I did a guest solo on a Rings of Saturn album and the track was so busy that I, I, I I called him up and said, look, dude, I'll send your money back. I don't, I don't think I can do this because the only thing that I could do on it was play fast. And I didn't just want to play fast. Mm -hmm. So I sent him the solo and I said, all right, well, here's the solo. If you guys don't like it, I completely understand. I'll send you the money back. And they were like, no, dude, we love it. It's awesome. I said, okay, well, just fix this one note at the end or put some delay on it, you know, and, uh, and, and that was it, you know, but it's like, I don't want to, I don't, you know, I want to play for what it calls for, you know what I mean? And what it make, what I feel like it calls for, you know, cause it's based on how I feel about it, you know what I mean? And if mm-hmm. it, and if it feels like that, then that's how I got to play on it. You know what I mean? It's, I don't, I don't approach everything with one gear, you know, mm-hmm. some, I mean, now, now, you know, luck of the draw is my instrumental album came out at the most ideal time in co- coinciding with the internet taking off. So the first thing that anybody outside of Houston, Texas got to hear of me was an instrumental album. 
So that's what they thought I was all about. You know, I mean, I've always been a band guitar player. I did my instrumental album when I was taking a break from being in a band and playing with local musicians because I was sick of all the BS. Mm -hmm. So I was like, man, screw it. I got to take a break. I'm going to do an instrumental album, just regroup and see what happens. And, you know, and it's just luck of the draw. It's like, you know, uh, you know, the internet was taking off and it, and I was able to make a name for myself, but that name was, you know, you know, Rusty's an instrumental shred guitar player plays fast. Right. Said that, you know, I, my intention with that instrumental album was to make the most intense instrumental record ever heard. You know, I wanted to make people feel the way I felt when I heard Randy Rhodes for the first time, or when I heard Ingve Malmsteen. And that's, and as musicians, you got to know what I mean. You know, when you hear somebody that just, man, it just makes you feel that feeling inside, you know, it's mm-hmm. undescribable. That's what I wanted to try to recapture. In so it's kind of like in that scene with like Sylvester Stallone when he's trying to win that 18 wheeler and he's fucking holding yeah. another guy in there. No, but like, I, this, this reminds me of what I was talking I about. He was alive in the eighties. He yeah, totally right. saw that fucking movie Stallone. He won the 18 wheeler for like his kid or whatever. And what I'm saying is, is that I feel like Rusty, like you're right. Like it, it with Ingve, like with Randy, you obviously got to level one. You know, gear one, like perfectly composed neoclassical, if you will, guitar. Ingve mm-hmm. was yeah. like, oh yeah, and then he came out with you know uh, all of his far beyond the sun. You know, like yeah. uh, like absolutely everything off trilogy rise, like completely insane. And then yeah. you listen to your record, like where do you, it's like Spinal Tap almost. Like where do you go from there? There's only like one louder, we'll and see. that for me, and that's kind of what I've actually said about this song, um, uh, the the Garden of Earthly Delights, because with Lost Symphony, we've never, ever, ever, ever had just specifically a breakdown like let's just shred, because it the song's never called for it. But when we talked to you originally, you were kind of like, hey man, could you give me a palette to shred upon? And no one had asked us, and we we're like, all right. Yeah. If Rusty Cooley says, let me shred upon the ice, like yeah. we'll fucking make the ice for Rusty. And because <laughs> of that, um, and there was so much time, we got like a bunch of crazy players like Jimmy Bell, Joey yeah. Concepcion, uh, Siobhan played on it, Matt LaPierre, um, and, and, and for this one specific section. And I got to tell you, um, if there's any part of anything that we've done that's guitarded, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like uh, it's, it's the Garden of Earthly Delights because... If you have to turn to the song where the people go, well, where could you go after yeah. listening to Marty Friedman and Jeff Loomis? Yeah. Because we have Marty Friedman and Jeff Loomis starting out this next record, and then with Kelly and Jeff going at the same time, and that's not including the fact that Siobhan rips it. I also do a solo, but it's more like a cowboy <laughs> solo. There's another record coming but, out. But that said, where do you go from there? Yeah. And I tell you, The Garden of Earthly Delights, the song that you're on for Chapter 2, yeah, from Lost Symphony. It's, it's so fucking insane. And it's the one part that like, it's funny because my brother is not into instrumental shred music, if you will. So for a while, he called, how, how he's, the most nihil- he's the most nihilistic, well, he's the most nihilistic person. He actually, you know, he'll call up, up a, about a song and go, I don't like it. I don't like it. He said he didn't like that song for months. And then finally one day he calls me, he goes, I love that song, man. (laughs) I love everything about that song. You converted Brian. I I don't know why. And here's the thing is because he's just such a a nihilistic person in his heart. (laughs) 
But then he realizes after he listens to Rusty and Jimmy and Joey Concepcion and Matt LaPierre and Kelly and you go back to back that he can't be mad anymore. That there was a reason we wielded all these notes. It's because we could and we should. You 2020 that entire conversation. Yes. Siobhan, you were saying something, right? I I don't even know what I was saying. No, but uh, whatever we were talking about before reminded me, like, you know, when you hear something that really inspires you or makes you feel like, oh my God, I haven't heard this before. And I have this like very distinct memory. And I might've told this before. I think I was like 10 or 11. And my dad had just bought me my first book of um, Bach Sonatas and Partitas for solo violin. And I got a recording, a CD of Hilary Hahn playing. And I remember listening to the E major one. And I was like, there's no way that there's one violin playing that there's, Mm. there's gotta be more than one violin. Like this is blowing my mind. And I became obsessed. Like that was when I first started just like practicing like a mad person, because I was like, I have to learn how to play this. And like, I did not have the technique to play any of this yet, but I was just completely going mad. You know what's funny? I felt the exact same way when I heard Stanley Jordan for the first time, except I just stopped playing. (laughs) (laughs) See, Rusty gets me. Rusty, Rusty, you get that. Because no, it sounds like two guys playing, man. Bro, and if not- anyone doesn't know, back in like the, was it the late 80s, early 90s, there was this crazy dude, Stanley Jordan, that used to play this funky, fusion-y jazz guitar where he'd tap on and he'd play like Over the Rainbow and all this stuff. Or like a pianist. His, his yeah, he played like a pianist. And, and like, no, look, a million people have done it since, but no one had done it at that time. And he would sometimes play two guitars at once, tapping like that Michelangelo Badio thing. But like before right. that, and he would do it in a, a tasteful way where you could wear a bow tie yeah. to his show. <laughs> and it was fucking cool, that, man. That was the kind of stuff that motivated me. It didn't discourage me. It was mm-hmm. my inspiration. That's what- Oh, you cause know, you're good. Well, I wasn't. I mean, I was a beginner. You know what I mean? Everybody's a beginner at some point, right? Yeah. No matter that what, point is now, Rusty. No, it's still to this day. But, but, but yeah, you know, Rusty, no, but I, I totally respect you because you are like the eternal scholar, in my opinion. And it's I can relate to that because it's the same. I still go back and listen to those same recordings I listened to when I was how many nine, master's 10, degrees do you have? Oh, I have one master. It doesn't matter how many degrees you have. The point is, it's a lifelong learning process. And I totally relate to that. It's like some of those same things still inspire me. I will still sit in this studio and watch videos of Hillary Hahn or Joshua Bell or Heifetz or sharing and just be like, wow, this just like blows my mind every time. Yeah. Or you try to find something new that you haven't seen by them before. Yeah. And, and the so, more you learn, the more you can notice, you know, yeah. you like that Randy Road sound check. Have you seen that? That yeah. that surfaced? Yeah, was like, I love watching that stuff because just hearing him play random stuff that you're like, oh, yeah. wow, that's coming out of him. Because yeah. th- there's some people again, like, you know, Robert Johnson, everyone talks about that guy. And you realize there's like 37 minutes of recorded or 40 minutes of recorded music of that guy. In and there's some, there's some interesting controversy over that, too, because. <laughs> some of the controversy is they don't know what those albums were actually the speed they were actually recorded at. So they don't know mm. if that was actually the pitch's voice was. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. You know, so nobody's, it's, you know, it's not. I'm going to say I still don't think they sound that great. So. Well, that's, that's cool, too. I mean, it's like B.B. King. Everyone, he said in an interview one time, he goes, I don't even know how to play a chord. I'm like, I believe that. I know. He goes, he goes, yeah. yeah, no, like, listen, I get it's it. All feel, I get, it's all feel, I get, I get it. I get it. Listen, I saw BB King. I saw Buddy Guy. And I thought the same thing. I'm like, okay, I get it. I get it. He's great. But nothing about it inspires me. Right. And I'm not saying that he's not a great guitarist. He's an amazing guitarist and better than I'll ever be. But you see a guy like Jeff Beck, if you want to go back to those vintage oh, guys. Um, and Jeff Beck makes a guitar cry. Dude. Jeff Beck makes it, like, call you back it gives it feelings it like it makes you feel warm and fuzzy and and you know what and and jeff beck's not a good looking guy he just knows how to make his hand like he makes those fingers 
talk. He's got Jeff Beck voodoo. It, it has voodoo. And that's the thing is some players have that and some players just don't. And that's the thing is that kills me. And I'm curious, Rusty, when you see this, there are so many. Angel Vivaldi said he calls them Neo. Uh, he calls them uh, Neo Soul Fuckboy Shredders. <laughs> what do you think about this whole new movement of like Uber technique guys that are probably like 21 years old that have been watching YouTube since the day they were born. So they were given the techniques without even having to learn because somebody was like, like you were their dad and you forced them from the day they were born to listen to Ingve Malmsteen and you just conditioned these fucking idiots, but they're not, they're, they're not wise enough to know how to use it. How do you feel watching these guys? That's that's what I was saying earlier in the first part of the show. Um, It's like, man, I'm so not impressed by hearing somebody play fast. I could care less. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, so what? Who can't play fast if they spend enough time in the bedroom? I can't. So, so let me let me ask you this. As a teacher, like what sorts of things do you do or are you able to do to help, you know, a student find their voice or find what what is it that they can say beyond technique and beyond speed and all of that? How, is that something that you feel like you can cultivate as a teacher? Well, I mean, I try. I mean, it's something mm-hmm. that you have to dig in with. It's it's about understanding it and, and learning music. It's like I, I teach what I like to call musicianship, and a musicianship is a combination of technique, you know, being able to play physically what it is you hear in your in your head, and then theory is understanding how chords, melody, and harmony works. Mm-hmm. And then those two things alone aren't enough. When you tag that up with creativity, then you've got something. You know what I mean? So it's taking those tools. I mean, I can't. I mean, when I was in college i feel like that should be written on a dentist wall yeah. like, like when i wake up at five o'clock in the morning in a root canal i want to like read that rusty quote as like a f- bit of inspiration before they put the laughing gas oh my god yeah. okay so while you were in college but it's like you know i would me and i was in a band called revolution back then and me and the other guitar player took the same theory course and we go to rehearsal at night and he'd be trying to play his scale over this chord and i would i would Look at him and I go, what are you doing, man? He's like, I'm using this pentatonic scale. I'm like, well, not over that chord. <laughs> and weren't you paying attention in class? Yeah. Uh, my yeah. point to that is there's so many guitar players that will learn theory, but they're never able to make it connect to their instrument. I don't uh-huh. understand that because everything that I learned, I immediately take it to my guitar. Sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, say, you know, apply it. You know, it's like mm-hmm. people that started playing piano before they played guitar have a hard time doing that. I don't get it. I mean, theory is theory. I mean, I could give my mom a theory book and she could read it and understand it, but she can't play a note. She can't play an instrument because it's theory. Mm-hmm. You can read it and get it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, you know, it does, it's not like rocket science. I mean, it's not easy. And I'm, I'm, def- I'm not trying to, um, you know, under, you know, sell it under that it's like not hard. But I mean, it's hard. You got to put the time in. I mean, mm-hmm. you got to put the time in and you got to research it. And you got to be creative and you got to, explore every possible end well i'll tell you one of the coolest things about theory that i've learned because i 13th chords is that what you're gonna talk about well no here we go again no no i'm serious (laughs) the thing i always i joke around but this this is actually was meant to be serious is that um you know i i was i faked playing piano a long time as far as reading because i would convince my teacher to play a song a bunch of times and i would kind of almost fake it because my ear was good enough where i could kind of like because I, di- I didn't pick up reading music very well. And I actually did horrible at music theory because I just wasn't inclined. It did not click with me. Mm-hmm. But things that sounded cool clicked with me. So like, you know, when I heard the Suicide Solution solo and those arpeggios, I was like, wow, I've never heard such bombast and bravado and awesomeness coming out of this 
five foot seven blonde dude who's not even the size of his own Les Paul. Right. You know what I mean? Like, like and I, I, but at the time, I didn't. I wasn't interested in the theory side. Now I have a twenty-two-year-old kid that teaches at Berkeley School of Music, coming going. Well, this is what this is, and this is what that is, and actually, if you go from here from A to B to B to A, and I'm like mystified, but I'm like that makes so much sense because I. But the thing that's funny is that I know how to make him sound better, even though he knows all the theory in the world. I'm like, bro, but he can't commit to composing anything because he's like, but you could go this way or that way or this oh, way. Yeah. Like, yeah. Or you could just play this one note and say everything. You could just bend it because you have amazing vibrato. So it's really amazing because I'm teaching him actually how to utilize all of the things that he has. But he, I'm now relearning why I like what I understand in my head to sound good. Right. It's because it's, yeah. you know, resolving this way or it's it's that chord to that chord. And it's that actually, amazing. That brings up something that, uh, that I wanted to ask you, Rusty. You talked a little while ago about how you'd get like songs for guest solos. And sometimes, you know, if it's busy, you get, you, like when you get a song, you know, that you've never heard before, uh, you know, even something like Lost Symphony that we sent to you. What's like your process for coming up and composing your parts? Like, how do you approach it? Uh, we talked to our, our guitarist, Kelly, and he, and he had a, a unique approach where he says he comes at it from a rhythmic standpoint before even getting to melody. So is there anything that like is your personal approach to writing? Well, 98% um, of the time I just go in and improvise. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if I can't get it in one or two takes, then I go home and regroup. Um, <laughs> yeah. But the majority of the stuff has been, I'm mean, like, when I played on the Falling in Reverse CD, um, they weren't even supposed to be in the studio, so their fans didn't know nothing. So they right. wouldn't even send me the music to hear in advance to even get an idea of what I was going to be playing on. Oh, wow. And I had to do like four or five solos that was going back and forth between me and Jackie Benson. And I, they flew me into Florida, and uh, I went into the studio that night, and I listened to what Jackie had done. He already finished his parts. So I knew at that point what key it was in and what, you know, so I, so I went back to my room that night because I still couldn't have nothing to practice over or even try any, an idea out. So I went back to the hotel room and I knew what Jackie did. So I knew what I wasn't going to do. Mm -hmm. you know what I mean, and when you listen to my solos on that song that the counter, you know, Jackie and me, Jackie, and me or whatever, um, that sounded funny, but whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I did things that made it stand out and made it identifiable because Jackie's a, a fan of mine. And he's a fan of Michelangelo Badio. So there are times when I would listen to me and Jackie going back and forth that I, at first I wasn't sure if it was me or him. You know what I mean? But I do different groupings. A lot of times when I'm soloing, I'll do groupings of fives and sevens. And that's kind of identifiable. And what I'm kind of known for is weird groupings and stuff like that. So, you know, Jackie would, on your feet. What? You grew up it weird, but you always fall on your feet. Yeah, there you go. Land on your feet? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, whatever. Land on your feet. It's <laughs> an Eddie Van Halen thing. Like, is, is that he would do weird groupings and shit too, yeah. right? Like, because, like, he'd do, like, the sevens and the fives and all that crap. So yeah. that, but it, it would always work out. Yeah. That's why Al Alex Van Halen's constantly like a jazz drummer. He has to follow along Eddie's weird shit. Right. But if you think about, <laughs> if you think about sevens and fives, I'm doing seven or five over one. You know what I mean? Only Siobhan understand. Well, Corey and Siobhan probably both understand. <laughs> so, I have no know, idea. As far as numbers of notes, you know, instead of doing... Yeah. You I know, thought that was a U2 song you were talking about. Oh, seven over one? Oh, I, I just heard one. Oh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> anyway, um, so I... I, I uh, that one's a Chicago song, right? Dude, I don't even know, man. Anywho. Yeah. <laughs>
Yeah. So um, I forgot where I was going with all that. Um, you were talking about your your groups of seven over oh, one. Yeah. Right. So so I, I knew what to do when I went in there, you know, and I did some things that like, if you listen to that song, I'm on a song called uh, Born to Lead or something like that off Falling in Reverse's second album. Um, I think it's called Born to Lead. If you, are you looking it up, Corey? Yeah. Check it out. <laughs> So, listen to the so like if you this. listen to the solo, you'll hear some distinctive things that are new, unique, uniquely different than anything else that are going on in there, and that would be my part. You know what I mean? Born um, to lead. Yeah, born to lead. Thank you. Yeah. And it's like when I played on the Badio track, um, Eight Pillars or something like that. I mean, there was like five, seven guitar players on there, and and you know, I knew that everybody, you know, because. You know, you're playing. Can on I tell you a secret? I don't mean to interject. Sure, you do. I played. I played a song. I did mean to interject. Actually, <laughs> I played on a song with Marty Friedman and Jeff Loomis and Kelly, and I had to have my own solo. It's called "The World Is Over." So, what 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 do I do to stick out? I went full cowboy tremolo. <laughs> I just made the whole, but the whole song. This is just, a cowboy solo. You were yeah, talking it's about just a cowboy here. solo. Like you, you, you know, do what Tom Morello does. It's like when everybody else is playing like all crazy, just get a whammy pedal, and everyone's like, it's genius. Or just I put a tremolo on, and I played a very simple line. I play underneath a beautiful Marty melody, and yeah. I and Corey soloed, and I said, that's my solo. <laughs> and then I just built the whole part around it. So it's Jeff Loomis comes afterwards and Marty comes before, but then there's me in the middle. Like I'm like the part of the cookie that everyone wants in Oreos. That's cool, man. The creamy center. Anyway, like when I played on Badio's thing, it's like everybody that's going to be on a Badio album is going to go in there and try to out Badio Badio, right? So I took the opposite approach. I'm not going to, why try to do that? I mean, he's, you know, he's Badio. Yeah. So I should have done that with Marty. Right. So I went in and did my own thing. I mean, I mean, there was there was moments of shredding on my solo for sure, but I did some weird stuff with the wah and whammy bar and things like that, and just made it stand out, you know. And and Badio, he really did a good job actually of placing all the guitar players because there was like three or four solos by different guitar players, and then there was a little break, and then it came back in. And it was, and then after it came back in, it was like me, and then George Lynch was after me, and then Craig Goldie used to be in Dio was after that, and it was just like, it made sense because me and Lynch and then Craig Goldie, we kind of played with similar tonalities, but different, you know, because we're all different players and all that stuff. But sure. it was pretty cool. But you know, why? You know, I'm not going to get on a Badio album and just pick as fast as I can. Yeah, you know, yeah. it just doesn't make any sense. I'm trying to add something to it. Not is it scary following Mister Scary? No, he he was after me. Oh. So it that, must be scary for him. Right. Yeah. Gotta... <laughs> <laughs> scary. I don't know. Shit. I don't know. Whatever. No, George Lynch is a badass, dude. I had the privilege of talking to him a couple of times. Um on on he called... well, you don't want to say anything bad about him because he's bigger than you, right? No. He's, a, man. he's jacked. Bruce Lee's small, bro. He will... I mean like jacked. Yeah, not anymore, bro. No? He's just old. That was just a face? <laughs> Yeah. That was just a face. Yeah, that was like when Eddie Van Halen cut his hair. George was Lynch back, was jacked. Yeah, funny because I've seen this thing with George Lynch talking about when he was jacked. And he, he's like, man, back in the day, he was when I was like that. He goes, instead of warming up before shows, I was back there doing barbells and dumbbells. Yeah, yeah. he did look ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, he got pretty big, bro. Dude, he was huge. I remember seeing him for the first time. He was during that phase, and it was uncomfortable. 
Yeah. I was literally like, because I, I don't think that there should be like straight up real deal muscles in in, in rock and roll. I feel like it's yeah. weird. See, I like I know there's a there's a whole new movement, and like I'm friends with a lot of bands, so I'm probably already alienating a bunch of people that are already in great shape, and I don't discourage it. But I get uncomfortable when people are in too good shape. Like the guy from the Misfits, like Doyle. Like I'm good for him. Like I'm proud that he's like 70 years old or whatever the fuck he is, and he's jacked but it makes me uncomfortable that he's in that kind of shape i want to see someone like iggy pop with the same amount of <laughs> vascularness to him but with not any muscles right just just so the same just, amount you, of skin you just want to see a lean guy yeah oh man what? that feels rock and roll to me like johnny depp with a scarf you know it's totally <laughs> rock and roll i think johnny depp ran, ran out of adrenochrome i don't know man uh, no the funny part is he actually did start in a rock band before he was even a, a yeah i know and I, I mean, it doesn't mean he was ever think, any good. I think what the thing is with with everyone getting jacked now is is we've talked about this in other episodes, like the backstage and touring culture. Yeah. Now it's it's no longer like sex, drugs, and rock and roll. It's like protein shakes, iPods, and lifting weights. Yeah. <laughs> hey, by the way, I just want to let you know, coming in hot off the press, um, I sent three Frank Zappa songs to Corey and Siobhan and and our manager Scott. And he basically said he was so fucking bizarre. His music is technically perfect and his performance is blah, 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 blah. But not my key, my cup of tea, dude. I sent him titties of beer, the muffin <laughs> man, and then his version of uh, Purple Haze by uh, Hendrix, which is all done on uh, really slightly dissonant um, uh, trumpets, I believe. Um, it's so fucking awesome. And it's only awesome because it's so ridiculous how crazy the music is for how absolutely silly his songs are. You should and, have been frogs with dirty little lips and disco boy and the ship arriving too late to save a drowning witch. Or I come from nowhere. I again I'm a big fan of Don't Eat the Yellow Snow. Yeah, Broken Brooks. Hearts are at for assholes. Say now was a good one. Anything on Joe's Garage. I'm a big Vinnie Colayuta fan. Yes. He made me like drums. Yeah. That was the first time I learned actually I remember being in a music store and the guy counted out nine, eight for me. The, the drum teacher was like, do you know how to count time? I'm like, what do you mean? Count time? Like seconds and minutes. Yeah, like, I'm like, what do you mean count time? He's like, like, you know, well, most things are in four, but this is actually in nine. And I, I it was so mystifying. He's like one, two, three, four. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I remember listening to, I was with, I can't remember who I was with, but somebody was, we were listening to some music and they were like, this guy's playing off beat, man. It's wrong. <laughs> It's not four four, bro. There's other time signatures. But then there's people who do it totally naturally. Like you find out that money from Pink Floyd is in seven eight. Like or cashmere. You know what I mean? Like those songs are more natural. You know that, right? What? There's a difference. What'd you say? Seven four and seven eight. There is a difference between seven four and seven eight. Yes, I'm not that. Money is actually seven four. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. Ah. <laughs> Four, five, six, seven, one. It's not, you know, because usually when you're yeah, like one, two, one, two, one, yeah. two, three, yeah. or one, two, three, one, two, one, two. Exactly. I'm learning something. Yeah. <laughs> this is a very educational <laughs> podcast. Everybody you else. Have to think, you have to think of the conductor. A conductor would conduct in three for seven, eight, you know, and they just have like one long beat. Mm. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Well, what's the difference between a gallop and a reverse gallop, Benny? Who knows, right? <laughs> Is, where the is it the same difference as or you know, speaking of that, that almost sounded like my Corona. I mean, my Sharona, right? No, that was that was Vanilla Ice versus Under Pressure. 
Wait, but but speaking of that, I was going to do a version when this whole Corona bullshit started. Of I was going to yeah, I was going to take the <laughs> song "My Sharona" and turn it into "My Corona." <laughs> I feel like it's never too like late. Right. We're it's still in late. the depths of Corona. I don't know. That song will forever be "My Chalupa" to me. After yeah, the Taco Bell commercial, like Cheech. My Chalupa. No. <laughs> that would have went viral, I'm sure. You know, yeah, I know that's this one's called greatest hits, man. I think that's that's, that's your that's your new calling, Rusty. You need to come up with the viral right. songs. I want, that's what I want to start hearing. <laughs> you know what? That would be fucking awesome. Because here's the thing. <laughs> you're so good that you could like make those Asian kids like go like, oh, my God, <laughs> he plays Nintendo music better than I do. You just cover Mario Brothers. You've yeah. won. I'm going to do Nintendo core. Yes. You should yeah. dude. join a K-pop band. You'll be yeah. fucking great. Yeah. Wait, you did make Betty, so much money. Did I ever send you? There is a video of an Asian kid, not to you know reinforce the stereotype of playing literally the Nintendo, like the Super Mario Brothers whole game trajectory live on violin. <laughs> this this is not surprising. Listen, I don't mean that. And this is for all, all Asian listeners. They're probably like <laughs> accurate because here's the thing: is you're smarter than us. You're more technically proficient than us. You know math better than us. You can add numbers better than us. Your parents certainly teach you discipline more than our parents do. So like, if you want to say that that's what I'm guilty of, then guilty. You have been raised to be better than us yeah, and be this. ashamed of this. And so, good for you. Cause um, we think we're arrogant and full of ourselves and we're not that good. We give trophies to people that suck. <laughs> you could be the best and people will still be like, try harder. Or, or we teach kids that nobody's a winner here. We're, there's no, we're not keeping score. Yes. We're just having fun. That's the way to play. That's really nobody's incredible. a winner when you're eating Tide Pods. Exactly. <laughs> right. Nobody. Other than Tide, who's selling the pods. Right. Oh my God. Winning. Our new sponsor. <laughs> yeah, brought to you by Tide, Tide Pods. Pods. We need any one sponsor. By the way, our other sponsor, La Symphony. Yes. Don't eat Tide Pods. It's not yes. good for you. Part we of do the not recommend it. <laughs> we do not recommend it. I also would like Johnny Walker to sponsor us, please. Yes, and Rumblemints. <laughs> oh Dude, I feel like I should be like at a high school kegger with you in the in the woods, and you're you're like that guy trying to get the chick. No, man, that's like, that's, that's when you were drinking uh, Everclear. Oh <laughs> man, He's I'll buy you a new life. <laughs> You know, Corey. Corey's like cringing oh from how bad that was. <laughs> I curb stomped it again. Siobhan, say something interesting and bring us back to some culture. Well, no, I was gonna say. So, Rusty, what are the, some of the things you're doing now? So, we talked kind of a lot about you know the beginning of your career, a lot of the projects you've done. So, maybe fill us into what's sure. life like in 2020. Um, well, in 2020, <laughs> I'm trying to get my hand back in shape. Um, back in I shape. Had, yeah, I had a hand injury oh. that I've been. Oh my God. Yeah, and it's not music related, um, but it directly affected my guitar playing. Um, sure. This, this, started, this started actually a couple years ago, and I've just been able to hide it. Um, I haven't said nothing to anybody about it. I mean, I taught both Petrucci camps with this injury, and the, and the way I can hide it is because I didn't have to play my material. <laughs> I mean, um, I can play around it when I'm not playing my own songs. If I had to perform my own songs, then it would be uh, a bit challenging. Um, so, and we're not sure how it happened. I, I saw a doctor here in Houston that works with the Houston Symphony Orchestra. And then I saw another doctor um, that specifically works with, um, he's worked with Olympic athletes to musicians and all that stuff. And he's a drummer. So he knows about these injuries. And, and the first lady that I saw that worked with the Houston Symphony Orchestra, she did some simple tests on my fingers and was able to um, figure out pretty quickly that 
you know, she had me go like this with stretch, you know, she'd hold my hand and do each finger. Mm-hmm. And when I, when it came to my ring finger, and my middle finger, I had no strength pushing my ring finger outward. You know what I mean? Like this, but uh-huh. I had all the strength pulling in. So the muscle on the left side, on this side of my ring finger was greatly depleted while I was still intact on this side. Uh, wow. Okay. So she didn't have any advice for me, other than, you know, cause they didn't know what caused it. There's not been a lot of studies on it. She said, you know, the best thing I can suggest is that you get some rubber bands and start doing this kind of stuff, strengthening your fingers. And I was like, all right, cool, whatever, you know? <clears throat> and then I went to, a, I was at a good friend of mine. Um, you guys might've heard of him, Lila Brada, former Mr. Universe. Brought in nutrition, you see all his protein shakes. And I thought you said Vita Brada uh, from, from White Lion. <laughs> no, 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 not Vita Brada. <laughs> anyway, me and Lee are good friends, and I was at his Christmas party, and his drummer that plays in the band, uh, his band is actually a doctor that works with these Olympic athletes and other musicians and stuff like that. Works on a lot of other musicians that you don't know about because most musicians won't talk about this, you know, because they don't want anybody to know that there's anything wrong. But see, right. I'm not afraid to talk about it because I don't want anything, anybody to hear my playing and go, wow, he just sucks now. <laughs> Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, sure. that explains a lot of me and Corey's late night conversations, but it's fine. Oh, my God. oh yeah. So, right. <laughs> so anyway, it's mostly like, Corey. When, yes. I, when I went and saw the second doctor, he was able to do his like. Did you say it was Doctor Doctor? No. That was a UFO <laughs> reference. And, Sorry, and I don't concur. I don't concur. Anyway. You don't like Shaker? Damn it. Yeah, I love Shatner. I'm, damn it, Jim. Shatner. Yeah, right. Um, so he, he was able to like do some stuff with my, I don't know, whatever doctors do, they do some weird shit and I, I'm trying to hold it up so you can see it, but you know, messing around with my arm and he was able to determine within a matter of seconds what was going on. And I had, I had all this like lactic acid or I don't even remember oh, wow. that they were, he was using, but there was a bunch of stuff built up in here. And it, basically what had happened was that the blood flow, the circulation of blood to and from my hand wasn't circulating properly. Mm-hmm. So he was only in town for three days. So I did three days of therapy with the guy. And after the third day, you know, he was first two days. It was like, it was like brutal. I mean, it was just hurt like fucking hell that he, the shit he was doing. Wow. And then the last day I'm just sitting there and we're talking. He's like, he looks at me and he goes, is this not hurting? He goes, because it's hurting me, <laughs> you know? And he was working my own. So and I was like, no, I don't really no, I'm cool. And then when he was done with the session, I got up and I went to grab my car keys and these two fingers were like paralyzed. Oh, jeez. <gasps> I couldn't move these two fingers and that's because he had released all the toxins and, and all the stuff that was built up and whatnot in my hand that, I mean, I literally from like, it was before Christmas. It was like maybe around the 16th or 14th of December. The lactic acid obstruction. I mean, I'm not, I don't have all the details cause I don't remember all these fancy. That's crazy. Things. I'm just saying this yeah. sounds, this is out outlandish, but, but anyway, yeah. he, uh, I couldn't play guitar. I couldn't even teach the first week after that. I just, I canceled all my students because I couldn't use these two fingers at all. Wow. I mean, it's, if you've ever seen anybody in a wheelchair and how they, they pick up their legs and set them in mm-hmm. the wheelchair, that's how these two fingers were. Seriously. Mm-hmm. I mean, they just did not work. I mean, it was hard to drive home. I couldn't get my keys out of my pocket. Wow. Yeah. So I was tripping out. weird, yeah. Like, so, but did it help? Well, yeah. I'm getting to that. So, <laughs> ah! you know. Um, I have ADD, man. Like, holy wrong. shit. Hold, hold tight, man. I'll try to wrap it up quick. So... <laughs> So anyway, I mean, for the rest of December, I couldn't, I couldn't use those two fingers. I, mean, I, I wow. ended up teaching some, but the majority of my lessons were me talking and coaching people through things and, and then making feeble attempts at playing guitar. Mm-hmm. So I just slowly just started playing chords again, you know? 
and I was able to get my fingers starting to coming back to life. And um, I ordered, I bought some of these things. You know, he said, you know, I mean, some of the therapy was, he was like, dude, go get some, dig up some dirt in your backyard, put it in a, in a bowl and put some water in it and use that to, to you know, like stick knee, fingers in it yeah. to develop your string. Uh-huh. And get rubber bands. And I, I looked up a bunch of stuff and, and I bought some of these things off Amazon. Um, they look like this. And you put them on your fingers, like you do this little thing right here. And let's see, hang on. I'm getting to it, Benny. Hang on. (laughs) Anything like this? Yeah. yeah. Resistance bands for your fingers. So I would, would, you know, and and here's the whole thing. The whole time, both of these doctors, no matter what they said, I still, both of them said that you can't get your strength back by playing guitar. And I I just didn't buy it. You know, it's like, man, there's no way I can't. If I practice more, it's got to come back. You know what I mean? And I'm, and I've still do this a little bit. I've never done any of the therapy that they've suggested full on, <laughs> huh. you know, I just, it's just like, man, I got you, you can, you can fix it playing guitar. You know what I mean? That's just the way I thought about it. It's physical therapy and it's, it, I'm not a hundred percent by any means, but I'm, I'm getting there closer every day. And it's just like, you know, not to make any excuses because it's just an excuse, but I just need to practice more. You know what I mean? I just need well, to find it, more time for personal guitar playing and practicing. And the thing that that's the most frustrating thing about this whole thing is that in my entire life of playing guitar, I've never had to warm up. I can just pick up my guitar and play. Now I got to warm up. I say, do you think that has something to do with yeah. it? <laughs> Maybe, but the, the, what my last doctor said is he asked me if I'd been doing any weird lifting or anything like that. And, and oddly enough, the last two summers I'd been building a, uh, been taking those big paper stones that are about like this that weigh about 40 pounds a piece mm-hmm. building a big pathway up behind my house mm-hmm. loading them loading them from the store and putting them in my car and taking them home and unloading them and then doing all this stuff by hand we're not wearing any gloves not that that has anything to do with muscles and shit but right. um he's like well dude that's probably what caused it but prior wow. to that, I'd, I'd, but prior to that i started working out in 2010 and worked out for like five days a week for like three or four years until i hurt my shoulder and couldn't lift anymore and then i didn't wasn't going to do just legs then it looked weird <laughs> so so i mean it could be something stemming from back then when i was lifting it could be from all this heavy paver stones we don't yeah. really know i mean it could be because i had it didn't practice as much during that time when i was going through depression and finance troubles and breakups and all that shit i mean who knows i don't really know but i it's something that i believe but i'm not a doctor that, that if know? i practice harder and work harder that it'll come back yeah because i always thought injuries yeah you know i mean if it makes you feel better i was told i have a good leg and a bad leg and a good hip and a bad hip are they the same i'm only 30 no actually (laughs) and in fact so like my girlfriend does booty bands and they put a booty band on me right like i'm sitting in physical therapy this is before the pandemic and i'm ashamed at how hard it was how hard it was for me to open my legs i was like and they make you walk with these little things do we have to get you a thigh master and my my thighs were so out of fucking shape dude i gotta tell because i have arthritis this is true that i have like degenerative level arthritis i I have the back like my doctor when they did x-rays on my back he was like well just does explain it bro he's like this young guy like it does explain it bro my doctor ever said that i'm like i need a new doctor immediately yeah Yeah, right well yeah he dude he like text messages me like things it's crazy like my new when i got like mass health it was crazy how ridiculous like they take care of me this guy's actually really good but he's like yeah i've never seen anything like this dude not like in my tenor like like (laughs) 
And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, he's like, well, you're 37, but like, this is like it's something like you 80. see, like a 60 year old. <laughs> yeah. So I, I literally, so I have like a three to one or a five to one uh, ratio, whatever the one's the shitty ratio yeah. between yeah. my bottom, like verte- like four or five vertebrae. So yeah, it's almost it's fused together. So like one time I went to the gym and I was leaning over and I was trying to do a squat and this <laughs> big lesbian chick comes over to me and tells me like why is my ass not sticking out right and actually pushed me down like uh, this is my greatest fear ever is having some jacked chick come up to me and like out squat me or whatever and she pushed me down but it actually threw out my back for days because <laughs> I can't even move that way I do this not like have that range of motion no I'm serious I don't have that range of motion Corey was there one day I threw out my back and I started screaming in pain and Corey okay. never has empathy for me never has empathy <laughs> and he looked at me that and he was like I'm sorry the breaking point this is when yeah. it I'm happened. sorry we get three quarters of the way through the second episode and then he starts on some epic rant that has nothing to do with what we were talking about man that's shit right there no, but, but it sucks yeah but but injuries and in playing whether it's caused from playing or not are real I, I was just gonna say I remember when I was in uh undergrad I got carpal tunnel and I went to play one day and I can't remember if it was these or the other fingers but they were completely numb yeah. And I was like, I, like I was freaking out yeah. because you never know. Like, is this going to come back? Like, you literally can't play when you're not used to feeling something. Yeah. It's yeah. I mean, it's it, weird. And I, I mean, I consider myself to be lucky, you know. And I always say that knock on wood because I've never had any music related injuries. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like guitar. I mean, I've had some weird things. Like, um, I mean, I was walking out in the garage one day and I went to shut the garage door a certain way and it hit that little pin, you know, the thing you turn to yeah. lock the door, mm-hmm. penetrated my fucking fretting hand just the right way. And I, like, I couldn't play and it was killing me. And I, I had to go to the see a specialist and get x-rays. And, and it was, I had to do this performance like in, in a week. And I was like, man, I don't know if I can do it. Am I gonna have to cancel? And uh, we go in and x-ray my hand and the doctor looks at it and he goes, well, your hand's fine. I mean, you got some deep muscle uh, bruising but it's going to be okay. But he was, what is that thing right there? And what he was pointing at in the x-ray was that I have a BB in my thumb still. Oh, as a kid. When I was like in seventh grade, I was out in the woods shooting BB guns. And, you know, me and my friends were shooting BB gun wars and shit. And, at each other. And, and I've got two scars on my hand. I've got one right here and right here. And I thought this was an entry wound and this was an exit wound. But no, oh my BB, God. BB's still on my thumb. I said, well, okay, <gasps> shit, what do we can do about that? And he's like, well, we can do one of two things. He goes, does it bother you very much? I said, no, I feel it every now and then. It gets cold. But uh, aside from that, I'm cool. And he's like, well, because if I was you, I'd leave it alone. Otherwise, we got to go in and we got to break your thumb. We got to take the BB out and reset it. And uh, we'll go from there. And I was like, nah, I'm cool. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. And then wow. I went back and I tried to get a copy of my x ray and he wouldn't give it to me because I was going to put it online and just tell everybody it was an alien implant. That's why I play the way I do. <laughs> yeah. so, That's funny. Yeah. Maybe wow. it really is an alien. I don't know yeah. if it's a BB. <laughs> yeah. Because he, like, he didn't know. He asked me, what the hell is that in your hand? I said, I don't fucking know. BB. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only thing that could be in there is a BB. But, I mean, at least I didn't shoot my uh, BB through my entire toe. Me and my friend, we were out shooting guns one morning and he's got, I had a Benjamin and it was a very high powered pellet gun. And he was standing there and he had it on his toe. I don't know why. And he took a step and it went off and he's like, oh shit, bro. I just uh, shot my toe, man. So he takes his shoe off and he takes a sock off and the pellets hanging out the other side of his bottom of his toe. <gasps> You know, but that's the same guy that ran his fingers through the sprocket on his bicycle when we were riding too. Sounds, uh, like, how's, man, he, how's he doing you nowadays? There, you just got to pedal it on through. Yeah. 
Oh man, it was rough. Oh, oh, Dude, I'm Is that the guy that throw? had a lot of fireworks on July 4th? Yeah, I think I'm going to throw up, bro. I'm like, all right, that's cool. I, mean, I would throw. That sounds like Ben's doctor. <laughs> I think I'm going to throw. Up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no shit. Go through that spokes. I mean, hey, man, this is fucking weird looking, bro. Yeah, this doesn't look right. And his pinky's going that way. Oh my god. But I mean, hey, I mean, it's, it's shit happens. I mean, it's the same the same friend that I'm talking about. It could probably tell you stories about me, like the time when. We were at a shopping strip that was being built and the the big plate glass window in the front of it was broken out. So we walked through it, right? Hopped through it. And then we come running out and I jumped through the hole in the big window and there's a jagged piece of glass that caught me right here. <laughs> so if you, if you look closely, I've got a scar that goes like this and then comes back down like that. I had like oh, nice. your face off. <laughs> Yeah, I had like 90 stitches. Oh my God. <gasps> plastic surgeon. Oh my God. So we're like down the road a couple miles from home on, and I'm like in seventh grade. I'm like riding my bike home, holding my fucking head. Oh, I'm retarded, never be the same. And, you know, I was dying and shit. Come home, went right to the garage because I knew my mom would be freaking. So my dad's like, took my hand off my head and the whole skin flap came down. And, <gasps> oh my God. And he's like, oh shit, well, we're going to the oh. ER. It's like, all right, cool. And the most <laughs> part of it was when they had to actually stick a needle in it to numb it, to do the stitches. So anyway, so I mean, you know, pellet through the toe or half the side of your head ate off. Yeah. Well, it's good to hear you can still play guitar. Yeah. <laughs> that you've gotten your hand, your strength yeah, I, back I, I to some degree. Make somewhat cognitive thoughts, you know. <laughs> I was going to tell you one time. I got an E string. You know, at the end of an E string, I was I had the side of my guitar like right up here, and I asked. There's a little bit of a extra bit of guitar, and I I actually punctured through my muscle. Ugh, like, uh, I've like been at least stabbed by I've my been three quarters of an before. inch. Yep. No, listen, Sucks. this is pain that nobody understands. Fuck shooting yourself with a BB gun. Hey, if you haven't impaled yourself with an E string I hit on my, the top I of your guitar, my, I hit my fingernail. Right in the flesh. I hit my fingernail from oh, the bottom. Oh, no, from the bottom. Shit. I used to do guitar setups at a music store and I went through. That's like Vietnamese torture. Yeah. It was the worst experience of my life. So, I mean, and that's, that's right up there with when you change the strings on your guitar and you're doing the high E or B or G and you lose that end piece that flies off but then your toe finds it later oh, <laughs> yeah oh shit oh yeah there's that little piece of string oh, oh motherfucker man yeah. you know what oh no like, oh, so oh. Well, like now man when i cut the strings man i cut them off i hold that little piece and yeah you know <laughs> and I get my toe again man i'll tell you what yes but i mean i've got some like bloody hand stories from recording and and you know shit like yeah i was in the studio recording i don't know what i was doing but i was i looked down and my hand was bleeding and i literally one of my fingers would just split open while I was playing and I didn't even know it until I saw the yeah. blood on my hand. Oh, now, I think that was probably when I was doing the George Kalias solos. Do you guys know who George Kalias is? Drummer no. from Nile? No. Yes. Mm, he's I don't ridiculous. Think so. He's the drummer from Nile. He's like, yeah, he's, yeah, he's like, yeah, he's like a total like Gene Hogan. Right. So Dude. when we were talking about takes in the studio, right? So I went in to do this song with George and uh, I was obviously recording here because he lives in Greece. And I went in the first night. It's like blast beat, ridiculous, like side. Yeah, 250, 300 BPMs. Yeah, he's, he's an absolute murderous fucking yeah. maniac. Dude. So, I think so, actually I shared him to your page one time, Corey. He's the guy the, from Greece that like plays side, almost sideways. Okay, he does a little flip. That, like the uh, back yeah, and yeah. forth. Yeah. yeah. I think he's the dude that invented that. But so yeah, I go to the studio the first is. night and, and I just, I didn't come up with anything. But it was just shit. And I said, fuck this. I'm going home. And I went home and the next day before I went in the studio, I just practiced a little bit over the track and I went back in and regrouped and, and I went in and approached the song a completely different. So what I did was I went in and I just started building melodies over the song. And then I took those melodies and I harmonized those melodies. 
And then I did, there was two spots for guitar solo. So I did the two solos and I did and played melodies and harmonized the melodies and did layers, guitar parts over it. And I was only supposed to do two solos. So George loved it so much that he released two versions of the song. There's the vocal version of the song, which I didn't know was going to be vocals. That's why I played on everything. So <laughs> um, he liked it so much. He released it, that. The he 2020 them. Right. Yeah. He did the vocal version. You're like, I'm going to play it so bad. This has happened to us too, where we've gotten solos back from certain people <laughs> where they, where they just played so well on songs. We're like, don't touch that. And they just like still played on it. And, but it was so good. You're like, fuck man, I guess we just have to put this yeah. on this. So the song is Aeons of Burning Galaxies and they, he released the vocal version of it and the instrumental version of it. And, and I'm pretty proud of that one because it's, it turned out really well. I, I went in with more of a, from an, even though I was improvising it, I was like, writing it at the same time it wasn't just like off the cuff i yeah. worked these ideas and developed them when i was there and then harmonized them and put layers and then solos mm -hmm. and there was another part of the song i wanted to do and i just it was like i let, literally went in the studio at like 10 30 on one night and left at like 6 a.m the next morning that's how long i was in there recording the shit and i was trying to call george on skype on the Is way that how long the molly lasted yeah bro totally <laughs> Yeah, I had to, I had to go I've had those nights. I was actually in a band called The Morning, and we named ourselves The Morning because we used to fucking get so fucked up that every time we were done writing, it would be The Morning. Or The Morning After Pill. <laughs> yes. Anyway, Benny. Benny constantly derailing the conversation. Have you met me? Have you seen the show? I know Rusty probably hasn't because he's too busy practicing. Oh, I'm, and like do, doing the, the, you know, anyway, the jazzercises. Um, well, we were talking about it. 20 minutes ago. Um, no, I don't know. I can't remember. <laughs> no, I think I, I love hearing the stories of studio stories and stuff. Do you have any, um, any, any good road stories, touring, touring stories? That I can talk about? <laughs> you can talk about anything you, can you talk want. About anything. Anything. <laughs> the name, anything. The names goes. can be changed to protect the innocent if you want. <laughs> it's never stopped me, man. Yeah, well. Um, Tell all. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't yeah. have to be wild yeah. and crazy. It can I just mean, be yeah. something interesting. Uh, okay, well, yeah, we've stayed at some really fucking bad hotels or motels or whatever you might call them. I mean, like shit, you don't even get under the covers. It's like, oh, you know, yeah. it's like you pull in this place and then there's like, it looks like hookers, right? And, and it's not, but then it's like, oh, those aren't chicks, those are dudes. Uh, and I mean, it looked like, yeah, trying to look like chicks. And it's like, you know, you can't get in out of your room because there's, weirdos standing around and shit we had we had the the truck you know because we took my singers he has like an suv and then we had a trailer behind it you know because we're totally pimp like that yeah we, by the way everybody who's watching this this is one of the greatest guitar players in the world so welcome to rock and roll yeah. <laughs> yeah. strap on for the ride of anxiety yeah so because so, like it's not it's not jay-z yes yeah, so we had to, we we had to, there was right next to the hotel there was like a i don't know some shitty breakfast place right and so we Park the Danny and truck or whatever the trailer a certain way, and then I'll say, you know, I wake up and I see that there's all these people starting to fall in to eat, and it's like, dude, we got to get out there and move it because we're going to be blocked in because people were parking on. Yeah. Oh God, yeah, like, we're just stuck. It's like you know, <laughs> we were in some hotel in Florida that was under construction. Oh God, and we were just I, I would you know because I don't sleep at night, you know, I'm, I'm up. I just can't sleep. So I'm up walking around like videotaping or not videotaping. Cause that's like, <laughs> you know, it's like on my phone, whatever it's called now, three K in it, four K in it, whatever it is. You just 
making weird videos. We were at a place in Texarkana one time that this place was so much under construction that when you got off the elevator on this floor and you looked to the right, it was like literally a battlefield. It was like no carpet. <laughs> there was concrete. Like somebody had been up there with a jackhammer. Oh Shit. And then you look to the left and it's kind of normal. And you go in your room and then there's like no, yeah, it's like carpet something like it resembled carpet i don't know and it's like oh man i'm not even gonna sit down in here yeah i already got bed bugs just looking at the place oh, <laughs> the luxurious life of touring yeah. i'd always heard stories about people touring and not being able to shower for a day or two and i was just like what is i don't understand what do you mean you can't shower for a day or two well i figured out what they meant <laughs> oh yeah it's like you're on the road and you don't have no place to stay so you're sleeping in your car or your truck or whatever and and then you get to the venue and they don't have a shower there so you go out back and hose off the best you can i mean that's why the, for the first time in my life i wore my hair in a ponytail on stage <laughs> because you know dude I got, I got fucking thin hair and you sleep on that shit or get sweaty and then it's sweaty the next day you can't leave it down bro it's got to go up <laughs> and it's like, man, you know, it's like, I never thought, I mean, I've played in one stage in San Antonio and wore shorts live, you know, wore some camo shorts and some tennis shoes and a t-shirt. I was like, you know, cause we, we got this room at this place and it was so bad that you couldn't even lock the door. The oh. was like fucked up. So I was like, man, I'm not showering here. You just, just get your money back and let's go back to the club and we'll drive home. I'll drive if I have to. And I can't drive it trailer i've never done it before you know what i mean so i'm sure it's not hard if you get me in a straight line but oh my god it's like the worst ever and then the club was so badass they promoted it so awesome we had about 10 people that showed up oh. <laughs> Even better, you know what i mean it's like great javon's yeah. like we had to play one time with like only one screen yeah. Oh my God, no. <laughs> Darcy has been through a lot of this. I mean, yeah, everyone starts somewhere. It's it, it's rough for a long time before. Well, so I mean, sometimes it, it never gets good. It's funny though because I when I when I do my solo stuff, I always had it good. When I did mm -hmm. stuff without World, I always had it good. Day of Reckoning is the first band that I've experienced not having it good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because I always had you know it's like in the early days doing my instrumental stuff. I would I wasn't doing a lot of touring musically, but I was doing a lot of clinics and stuff like that. So they fly me in, give me a hotel room. Mm -hmm. It's all cool, you know. Outworld, somebody was always paying for the hotel room for me or something like that. I always had a nice place to stay, but you know, not so much anymore. <laughs> in the music industry, so now it's like, whoa, yeah. wow, we're fucking footing it, bro. Let's go see, see if we can cap a fucking. But this is a, this is an underlying subtext, and I'm being serious, like because I, I respect you because in so many ways, because not only have you tried so hard and crafted your 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 playing and your technique, but you're still willing to fucking live it, the okay. rock and roll things. Yeah. And you know, it's funny because we Corey and I at one point in an interview with with my our, our friend Michael Starr from <laughs> Steel Panther. He's like, you know, rock and roll is like living with the rats. Rock and roll is like listening to crew and your mom doing coke and just being like, you know, yeah. going to shows and like, but like, that's really, people don't realize it. Like, man, that shit, like where you're like, you have weirdos standing outside your hotel and you're like, maybe it's not cleaner in the shower is part of being part of rock and roll. And that like, you know, if you really love music, like if you love music and you believe like to almost a delusional level that this is what's going to happen for you and that you're, you're meant to do this you're forced to do it because it's yeah. the only thing you know how. And I, I repeat to every single person out there that's doing music because they think it's like, it's a cool thing or it's like a, a TikTok 
or whatever, or you can promote it on Vine. Losers that make no money. Yeah. (laughs) Other than Star Set and like the one, you're part of the one percent. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, you're part of the one percent that can count in billions. Here's here's we call you. We call you. We call you the eight numbers. Ben, Ben, (laughs) settle down. Here's the bottom line that I give anybody. Anybody that asks, I tell them it's like if you don't absolutely love it more than anything in this world, don't do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because you have to. I mean, you you have to go into it knowing that, man, I want to do this no matter what. Yeah. And if you don't know that, then you shouldn't do it. Go get a regular job. Get a backup plan. You know, be one of those people that have a backup plan. I know a lot of people like that. It's like, you know, got a lot of friends that, that are living cushy lives because they had their backup plan and shit like that. Yeah. But they can't play like I can play. Right. <laughs> That's but, the truth. You know what I mean, it's, it's, but it boils down to what you really want to do. I just want to play guitar, man. That's it. You know, I I remember being in high school and and hearing my friends talk about, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do now. I'm going into college. I got to pick a career. That would scare the shit out of me, not knowing what I wanted to do with my life. Yeah. That's absolutely terrifying. To me, that's the same thing as not knowing music theory. Um, And and I'm serious. I I was about to relate to you because I was going to say one of the things I always say I'm lucky about is that I always knew I wanted to do music. Right. music theory but I, I'm right. there's a lot of people that you go and you go to, even to college and you see these people who are freshmen they're like I don't I don't know what I want to go into and you're like are oh, you fucking yeah. serious yeah. I've been working in a guitar store since I was 14 yeah. so that I like yeah, I'm, I'm only here because my parents are forcing me to yeah like you know what I mean yeah. I want to go play in a band and I actually deferred from my first uh, my freshman year I didn't even finish it to go join a band and tour yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Because that, I, that's, I knew that was my yeah, thing. See, that's pretty pretty lucky, too, to go join a band and tour. Wow, that sucks, Ben. <laughs> well, you know, practice. That's a good, that's yeah. a good, that's a good yeah. place to, uh, to, to say that we're coming up on the end here. We got a, we got, you know, a minute or two left uh, okay. on this episode. Rusty, uh, what were so you going to say? What I wanted to say was that what I was talking about with music theory. It's like I, I'm, I would be, I'm not knowing theory is terrifying to me because I tell my students it's like, if you could get if you get dropped off in the middle of nowhere in the middle of the night and are expected to find your way home, you maybe could get there. You probably if you don't get eaten by wild animals or starve to death. But if you get dropped off in the middle of nowhere and you got a flashlight and some GPS and a cell phone, you can find your way home pretty quickly. It's a great analogy. Yeah, you know I mean, it's not knowing theories. Yeah. You're just fucking lost, bro. I can't imagine not knowing. It's not it. speaking the language. I can't yeah. imagine yeah. having to hunt and peck and look for notes because I don't know what to but do. What if the Ioni is your yeah. fire starter and that's all you need? You know what I mean? But I mean, I've known it so long that I don't know anything else. So not knowing it is terrifying that people actually have don't know it and they just find their way around by navigating. You know, yeah. I mean, that's that's a. Brilliant. That sounds like prison. I feel I feel so liberated by knowledge of music theory. It's like because I know that I can think my way through any piece yeah. and feel comfortable. If some, yeah. yeah, you're right. It's like being in the dark with no tools. I mean, if somebody tells you, "Hey, man, here, it's this key. Here's the changes. Go. All right, cool." Yeah. You know, you go to an open mic and you can tell those guys that don't know what they're doing because it takes them like eight bars or 12 bars. But you want to know what? So where <laughs> you guys had that, like I developed my ear and I, and I got to tell you that it's not that one's better than the other. But like we actually had to change like Marty Friedman again. We were working with him and he sent us what he thought would be the piano parts and he arpeggiates stuff. Yeah. And Corey and I had to figure out even like the vo- the voicing. And I, I was very proud of myself because I could hear what Marty actually did and even take Marty's ideas to the yeah. next level with my ear 
years in almost real time. And Corey's like, are you sure you don't want to practice? I'm like, nah, dude. And we did, it took a bunch of times, but when we got it, we fucking got it. And that's my skill. So yeah. I don't necessarily have the idea as far as I can't go, whoa, that's great that you played the dominant sevens over the Dorian. Right. I have no yeah. idea, but I could listen to Marty Friedman and make the piano part sound pretty. In this. Yeah. Yeah. No, Benny, and I get that part. And that's brilliant too, because that's that's like when you, you as a human me. being, you can learn how to speak without learning why and how language works. You know what I mean? Yeah. Musicians yeah, absolutely. have that ability too. You shouldn't have to know music theory to play. For sure. It's like not understanding grammar to be able to speak it. But mm -hmm. I kind of I compare it to like being in a foreign country. I can't speak the language or maybe I can speak the language, but I can't read it or write it. Mm -hmm. So how do you know what the street signs say? How do you know what the restaurant says outside or if it's even a restaurant or how do you know what to read off the menu? You go, okay, can I have a picture book to see what the food is on the menu? You know what I mean? That's, that's, that's another thing. It's like not knowing that, but you can find, I mean, you can find something to eat, bro. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. On the menu, but but you know, well, it's really important yeah. because there, we've been saying on the show, like during 2020, especially, there's a lot of people who are sitting home and they're being stagnant and they're wasting their time and they're going through like whatever's next on Netflix. And I get it, you know, like we all want to know how Ozark ends. Um, <laughs> but I love the fact that you, even as incredible as you and so much that you've achieved, 40 fucking records, you could say, hey, I, I've I've done enough here. But you're still like, I can learn more. I still want to learn more. And even, again, like you and Siobhan both have that. And I found this in a lot of people that I consider to be virtuosos. And I, and I absolutely tip my hat to you because I believe you to be a virtuoso on the guitar. Hey, and that you guys just, it's never enough. There's a really thin line between like perfectionism and neurosis and then where you guys are. What because the thing actually is, is there's a fine line between creativity and insanity. Okay. Yeah, I don't know if there's too. a line. Also yeah. I, I think they uh, mix a bit. Some overlap. Oh, they said it's a thin line. Yeah. <laughs> it's a flexible <laughs> line. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's music is a beautiful thing. It's like never ending. That's the thing. As long as you're willing to continue to learn, you can learn forever. I mean, it would Infinite. take many lifetimes to master an instrument. You know, I, I, I kind of defer to Woody on, Allen on this. You know, the metaphor I always look at is that I don't care about dying. I just don't want to be there when it happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's on that note. <laughs> Thank you yeah. for 2020. Rusty. Go Rusty check out man. Rusty Cooley. He's the man. Yeah, He's Rusty, the man. If you Your website, your, uh, where can people find you? Anything you want to plug? Yeah, whatever yeah. people should see. Here, here's what I want to plug. My website sucks and it's way <laughs> out of date. So if anybody out there wants to like barter for lessons for a new website, I'm totally down. Instagram and, and, and Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, check out the, my band. We just put out a CD called spread your disease appropriately titled and what great timing. Yeah. Uh, we'll uh, put that link out. in there. Yeah, yeah for the, sure. The new, new, new EP and uh, it's, it's heavy as fuck. It's progressive and it shreds. And uh, it's got the best of both worlds, man. Dig it, crank Sweet. it up. Sweet, yeah, we'll definitely. Thank you share so it. much, Rusty. thank you, man. We can't even can tell just... you. Thank you so yeah. much. No, what a what a treat. Yeah, I was just going to say thank you all. It was a pleasure. I appreciate you guys having me. Will off. you come back and talk to us some again sometime? Man, I like, will come back anytime. There's if so you much more we want to learn Woo! from you. Yeah. I'll just come. We need out. a master class from You're Rusty an Cooley. encyclopedia. <laughs> thank you. I'll, I'll come out back just to hang out. 
You know, what yeah. sweet. Let's do it. Well, yeah, this is the closest get... things to having friends that I have. <laughs> right, <nowadays>. I know. <laughs> Same. And Corey, I, mean, like, I don't know if I'd call you a friend. <laughs> hey, man, when they said social distancing, I said, bro, I'm on it. I've been practicing that shit for years. Yeah. <laughs> that does the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, we've been saying Corey's well, yeah, been trying to figure out how to stay out of the room with people for a really long yes. time. But I went to his house man. and sat with like a mask on not too long ago, and I could just see the look of like <laughs> like a disdain in his face. What I trip out on is yeah. people driving in their cars by themselves with a mask on. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. those people oh are my winning. God, yeah, right. Uh, right, guys, that's a whole <laughs> other conversation. Yeah, we'll get to that next time. Twenty twenty dot com. Twenty twenty. Set the world on fire. Um, Cheers. Twenty twenty. Twenty twenty. Hey there, I am Johnny Christ from Avenge Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to actors, comedians, fighters, musicians, everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks with Johnny, streaming everywhere now.